Untangled Knots is an attempt to explore the internal and external world. I have guests from different countries and backgrounds, and we talk about the things that make us excited and the things that we care about. If you like what I or any of my guests have to say, then check out our other projects. There are links to all our socials and everything in the description. Every narrative that you can find will talk to you about the same thing. So if you, if you read the Vedas and you connect with Krishna talking to Arjuna, in the Bhagavad Gita, and if you read uh, the Bible, and if you read Radha, and if you read all of these narratives, and then you go back to the uh, current world, and you read uh, the Count of Monte Cristo or Dracula, or you watch Game of Thrones, when you or you watch uh, Interstellar, all of these things are telling you about the same exact things, just with different words and different images. Can you simplify that somehow? Like what, what exactly, I can imagine some, but uh, like when you distill it down to like the smallest kind of particle. <laughs> okay. Um, imagine that you, you get this connection with Jesus Christ, for instance. So you, you have this connection, this special connection with Jesus Christ that you want to know more about him and you want to follow his message. You want to, to really, really get, you know, of Jesus Christ, the image of him. Okay. And then you go to Chinese mythology and you find Sun Wukong. And Sun Wukong is a troublemaker at first. He's just a troublemaker. Uh, and he steals so much from the deities, okay? And he causes so much of a ruckus across the entire creation because she even causes a ruckus in heaven. He, <laughs> right at the nose of the father entity of the, of the father of all deities. And he cannot be stopped. The more they try to stop him, the more the stronger he gets, and uh, the more uncontrollable he gets. Every time they try to stop him, he gets better, and he gets another skill and another power that makes him even stronger and even more invisible. Well, there was a point in which I had a very profound experience. My first really profound experience with the shadow, with uh, with shadow work, which is essentially going into our uh, inner unconscious drives and unveiling our fears and unveiling our monsters and our demons and cry for our wounds and stuff like that, but willingly in a controlled environment where you can uh, finish the process uh, properly. And I, I, I did something very daring and uh, I, I launched an assault on the regime. I literally uh, pulled up all of my arsenal, my spiritual arsenal, I planted it at the centers of power of the regime and fired. And uh, I saw much and I felt much. Uh, one of these things was a tremendous amount of fear because I lost perspective at some point. And I had to, I had to invoke an entity and the first entity that came up to my mind was Jesus Christ. And uh, I didn't stop the process, but I lit a candle and I invoked Jesus Christ. And the moment I invoked him, I felt an easing, a passing of the, of the process because Jesus Christ, they tell you that he had to walk through the deserts for 40 days and 40 nights. And he talked with the devil and he resisted the temptation of the devil. And, uh, they also talk that when he died at the cross, he had to walk through hell for three days before resurrect. Uh, so he knows shadow pretty well. So it's an, it's an entity you want be, behind you or beside you when you enter into the shadow. Okay, fine. And I did, and I managed to go to a moment in which the shadow actually felt like it wanted to fight back. And I felt overwhelmed by the feeling. And I felt like I had finished the process, but I didn't. 
I went to sleep and I felt confusion and I felt dread and I felt something crawling up my back, which I didn't like. And I thought, wow, I may have invited these entities and this energy into my home. How do I deal with that? Uh, I don't want to go to sleep until this is resolved. And then I saw Fungbuko, who is known for fighting this shit. And if I saw him dance, he's danced before me. And with his, with his staff, he started just wiping the ground with these entities, wiping them completely. And I saw him and he gained strength and he gained power. The more he fought, the more solar he became. And I realized that he was the same exact entity as Jesus, the same exact entity, because he was using his staff as Jesus would use his cross. And he was uh, rebuking, vanquishing the shadow for me to walk safely across it. And then I could go to sleep. And then I dreamt something beautiful about planets and kings drawing water from those planets and giving it to me. And I, it was like they were telling me, these uh, emanations, these identities are the exact same thing. The exact same thing. You don't have to separate by ideology, by opinion, by belief. It doesn't matter. Believe in them and connect with them the same way. They are just aspects of the same thing. So if you see, you see, for example, uh, Cooper in Interstellar, his mission is to enter a black hole. He first wants to find a new home for, it, for humanity, but his mission is to enter that black hole. What is this black hole? This black hole is his fear that he will see his daughter again. That is the whole expression of the black hole. And that's why when he enters the black hole, he sees this room where he can communicate finally with his, with his daughter. Uh, and uh, what connects him to this energy is in mystical traditions expressed as the love of God, because the love of God is in all things and it, ha it is timeless. When he goes through that uh, wormhole, time ceases to exist as a linear entity and, con and condenses into the present moment. And the present moment is both future and past as well. So she can communicate, he can communicate. He bends the concepts of reality because reality doesn't work the same within the black hole. Uh, and with his memory, he can connect with that room and he can send his daughter a message. All, up until that point, he was always receiving delayed messages from his daughter. Uh, at that moment, he sent a delayed message to her in the past. And then he meets again with her. But what then comes after that? He finds the love of his life. He wants to meet again with that woman that he left. Okay? Because that's the new thread of love. And what did God talk about? Love. And what did Jesus have to go through in order to spread the message of love? He had to go through hell. He had to go through the black hole. So there's a connection between Cooper and Jesus Christ as well. There's a connection with Jesus Christ and Gandalf and Frodo. There's a connection with Jesus Christ and Harry Potter. They all have to resurrect, die and resurrect. And uh, they all have this connection with love, which is a protective and sheltering energy, the energy of the mother. And what they are, they are all telling you is the universe has your back. God has your back. You don't have to worry about anything. The universe loves you. And they all talk about this. 
you can read it anywhere. That's why it's so ridiculous to have these discussions about religion. It's also important because it's the only way by conflict we realize, we bring the things that uh, impede our view. And then we can drop down the barriers and drop down the walls. And you can see people for what they are and you, we can see narrative for what they are. And essentially, when you sit down and watch a show, you are giving up your energy. You are offering your energy uh, in the form of time, in the form of uh, alertness and attention to perceive this show and to enjoy this show, to be present for this show. Uh, but this show is telling you about the Bible and about Torah and about the Vedas, some more than others. But they are all telling you about these things, about the intricacies of social connections, about the depth of social conventions, about politics, about ignorance and fear and love. All of them are telling you about the same things. So you just have to lay down the barriers in your mind that separate the Bible from House of Cards or separate Kabbalah from the Popol Vuh. If you, if you manage to do that, then you can separate the barriers between you and me. So you can reflect yourself more purely on the people you meet and on the places you visit. And then it becomes all a story and you can read yourself as you read the story. Uh, that's how I live. That's, that's how I, I managed to feel free in this country because I realized this is just a process of death. This is the death of my country. My country is dying right now. Uh, and then it died. And then we walked in the corpse of the country. And then we had to go through scarcity. And then we had blackouts. Then we had lynchings and lootings. And the government went rogue, completely rogue. And we had all this fear. And then it lowered down, it toned down until it vanished. And all we are building now is more and more and more joy. The city feels more joyful. The country feels more joyful. I work with the country. I spread my energy through the country. I, I do that often in my work. It feels more joyful. It feels more powerful as well. And the same can happen with all relationships. When you meet someone, when you read a book, when you watch a film or watch a show or do an activity that you like, sports or sculpture or painting, you can see the gods there or you can see God there. And God is inside you as well. Exactly preserved. It's perfect. The preservation of this image, of this concept, is perfect in all of us and everywhere. So if you can find this God, this God entity in everyone and everything, then you can live happier, uh, freer, more powerful. You can find more powerful, uh, more powerful within yourself. And it's all about getting rid of prejudice, getting rid of opinions that separate you from other people uh, or from other things. Because we are not here to stay in the same place. We are here to move around. And as you say, as you've said before, you've moved around a lot and you can bring this newness, this, this novelty to the new environment. And at first you are going to meet resistance, but it doesn't have to be that way all the time and not with everyone and not with all places. Everything has these maps, these um, layers of reality. So if you can read one place, you can read another place the same way. Exactly. So if you, if you know Berlin very well, you are going to be able to transport Berlin to Istanbul 
and you will you will find the same nodes of energy. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you. You can find your uh, your personal node. You can find someone to channel that to, and they do the rest for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the places themselves. The places you manifest the places that you need to be in in order to pull this energy out. Because I often say that there's nothing more important and there's no uh, calling more relevant in this world for us than self-knowledge. Nothing is more relevant. If you, if what you do, the time you invest in your daily life helps you know yourself better, you are doing the work and you are growing. Even if it doesn't necessarily become apparent immediately, you are growing because you are investing a, this energy into understanding yourself, your drives, your motivations, your desires, your dreams more effectively. And therefore you can manifest the reality that you want more effectively. What's difficult about uh, self-knowledge is that people don't want the greedy parts. They don't want the grimy parts. They don't want the dirt. They don't want the darkness. They don't want the hatred. They don't want the resentment. And they are there all the same. Well, and they are having a effect. I think that's why a lot of that whole law of attraction doesn't work is because people think that it's their conscious mind that's doing this. And most of it's the unconscious mind and all this garbage that they pile up and they don't even face. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's stories that we tell ourselves. What you do with the narratives that you watch or read is that you deconstruct the narratives that you've told yourself all your life, and therefore, therefore, you can enter the dark places and open the treasures. Oh wow, that that explains a lot actually, because um, there's some like, uh, I mean, like anime or or like uh, movies or something that I really connect with, or music especially. Yeah. And when I show it to other people, they're just like. <laughs> and, and the way you describe it now, I just I immediately made the connection where a lot of it, the, the things that I enjoy are like they're they're digging really deep and they're touching on these things that kind of like you said, it's like looking at the darkest parts of yourself. And I think a, a lot of people are not exactly. And when I watch these, I don't even feel that. Like I'm just enjoying the the narrative, the story, um, because it's just something I I enjoy facing, right? But if you're not in a place where you're used to facing these kind of uh, demons and everything, when you're not used to facing the ugly parts of yourself, it's like those shows hit you like a like a punch in the face, and it's like most people yeah. can't handle it. No. And then they say it's bad writing. Oh, the author did it. I didn't like it. Uh, it was Stop. poorly done. It was. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what is it? It's funny because. Um, I don't know if I mentioned uh, Made in Abyss to you, the, the Japanese anime. Um, yeah. I'd heard that a bunch of uh, sumo wrestlers watched it and they were all crying when they watched it. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's good. Uh, but a lot of people, I showed the show to some people and they were just like, yeah, I mean, the anime style looks a little dirty. It's too nerdy for me, actually. But um, some people just thought it's like, uh, it's heavy, it's dark. <laughs> I can't handle it. Yeah. I'd handle it that heavy at all, actually. There are parts. That's the point. Because, for instance, I tell a friend of mine um, that uh, there is a point in which you can enjoy Shadow War, in which you can enjoy the Dark. Uh, I love can, Yeah, I love it too. I love, I love going into these places because I've managed to find gratefulness for that. I, I've managed to find the privilege of being able to enter those places. I know myself better. And the more I enter those places, the more I... Just like I, I was telling you about, I... I moved out of Guarenas when I learned to live 
better in Guarenas. That's the same thing. You live better with your demons. You don't you don't actually face them. You don't actually punch them in the face. And they punch you in the face. <laughs> but just so that you have that you open your eyes. So so that you open your eyes and because they are telling you, I am not your enemy. I am your friend. I am here for you. Just tell me what you do, what you what to do with it. Tell me how I can use this more productively because right now this is my instinct. This is your instinct. Design your instinct and tell me, tell, let's have a conversation on how to do this better. And you get to have these conversations with your darkness. And there's a point in which your darkness and you have a relationship of respect and mutual growth because your darkness is you. And it's not something apart from you. It's not, if you feel like something is apart from you, you manifest it in physical reality and you don't want to manifest your darkness in physical reality because it's suffering. It's horrible when that happens, okay? So you have to manifest it in kind ways within yourself, and that's knowledge. And when you traverse through this darkness, through these fears, through these wounds, these difficult aspects of yourself, these things that you don't like about yourself, the arrogance, the stubbornness, the irony, the sarcasm, these things that people use to defend themselves, mostly it's uh, a defense mechanism. We all do that. When you get into it and you realize there's a purpose to that, that's what the fear was hiding. That's what the demon was concealing. You, there's a purpose. That's a why, why I have this. Well, because my grandfather fought in the war and I inherited his fear for the darkness, for instance, or he inherited his fears of bullets or something like that. And it's there deposited physically in my physical body, in my cells, it's there. If I penetrate this barrier, if I disarm it, then I have this access to my cellular body, to my cellular structure that I didn't have before. And uh, I can use that. I can use this part of myself. Whereas before I had to depend on other things, maybe not so effective tools to deal with this. Now I have, I have access to this part and this will help me with other parts. And it does. And there, there's a point in which I personally find this uh, like a safari. I I went in there, I just wanted to find this, and then I found a bunch of other stuff that I didn't know about, and I wasn't looking for them, but I found them. And they were demon to me. Like, there's always an entity or an apparition or a, or a, or a concept that appears before me in a very material way, in a very physical sense in a way, and tells me, this is what this is for use it for this and there's a direct connection with places and with people and with uh, narratives use it for this and uh, i use, i do that and when i do that i learn something new about myself like i didn't know oh i didn't know i like to fight uh, fencing i didn't know i liked fencing i didn't know i like uh, i like uh, to walk so much i didn't know i like to eat this food or to cook for other people i didn't know about that because maybe there's a blockage. Maybe there's something that you don't want to accept about yourself that is blocking you from this skill or this knowledge. And uh, when you face that, when you go into the shadow willingly and expansively, joyful, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm knowing myself. I'm going to get drunk with my demons and have these conversations with them. You dismantle these shadows and they are no longer confusing and you yeah, now I can enjoy this. I, I have 
I had this peculiar experience because I don't know if you know about Paulo Poelo and uh, and Ricardo Arjona. Uh, they are Latin Americans. Uh, one of them is an author, a self-help author, by the way. Uh, he spent some time in in the East uh, and he learned something from there. And he was also in prison at some point. And so this all comes down to his style. And a lot of people hate him. And a lot of people just go through a Coelho face <laughs> because he's... Uh, He's built an image for himself and he's a bit, a bit, just a bit of a charlatan. <laughs> uh, but mainly his previous, in his previous incarnations, in his previous, in his first works, like he was trying to deal with his sexual issues and his sexual fantasies and he, and this mixed with the spirituality just was cringe. It was very cringe. I like some of those teachers though. Like I learned a lot from yeah. teachers with these fucked up problems. I yeah. like even like Osho when I watched that documentary, I was like, oh, I still like some of the stuff he says. Like I can learn a lot from someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized that I was having a a serious prejudice case with this guy. And I said, I don't have to live this way. I can't allow myself to believe him, to trust him as well. If I don't find, if I don't, if I find in his work something that I don't like, I just uh, put it away and take what I do like. And I realized that there is a book from him called The Book of the Warrior. And it has some precepts about war and about the, about the knowledge of war and the behavior of the ideal warrior. And kind of the Book of the Five Rings from Musashi, Musashi, something like that. But it's very short and it's very, very precise. And uh, I read some of these passages and I said, wow, there is wisdom here. There is true wisdom. I can, I can connect with this, with what this guy is saying. And uh, at least in this book, maybe not in others, but in this book, it works. So that helped me relieve myself from the prejudice about this guy. And then uh, there's also a troubadour, a Mexican, a Mexican singer and author who's called uh, Ricardo Arjona. Uh, he's a lot of people love him, but a lot of people hate him as well. And I was one of them. I thought this guy is a hypocrite, that this guy is a fool, that this guy, I don't like his music, I'm so boring. And, and the same day I realized that I had this prejudice with Paulo Coelho, I, I realized that I had this prejudice with Ricardo Arjona. I said, why? Why do I not just enjoy the music? Because I'm going to keep hearing, because people like him. People in Venezuela like him, so I'm going to keep hearing it at some point. And the same with reggaeton and with bachata and with all these styles that are common here in Latin America and the Caribbean. You are going to keep listening to them. So try to find a way to enjoy them uh, because that way your experience will be more beautiful in general. You are going to find something enjoyable about these experiences that you can avoid. You cannot avoid because you live you live in Venezuela. Whether you like it or not, you are going to experience vallenato. You are going to experience bachata. You are going to experience all of this music that you didn't like before. So try to find a way to like them. If not like them, at least tolerate them. Because you cannot be negatively affected by what other people listen. It doesn't matter. And if you find a way to appreciate that, if you find a way to truly connect with that, well, all all the better. All the better because then you are uh, approaching it from uh, from love and from kindness and from compassion and how you can give yourself a present. 
it's a present and a privilege and an honor to listen to this talk because it means you are in this place. It means you are connected to these people and to this energy, and that's always beautiful, right? It also allows you to connect to anyone too. Yeah, if you if you can do that, then there's no one you can't connect with. And yeah, that's actually, really really powerful. <laughs> it's really powerful because now I can. I have a dream of going to the slums and uh, kind of preaching or doing my service there, uh, like room readings for people, free readings for everyone, stuff like that. I want to do that at some point. And I know that I've been, I would be welcome because I've worked on this and I know I can approach these people without prejudice. Like, I don't care if you think yourself like you are an ugly person, I don't care if you are a criminal. I don't care if you are corrupt. I don't care if you uh, shit people on your business. I don't care if you are a poor employer. I don't care about that. I don't care about what we call flaws of your character or mine. I want to connect with you in a way that we can work this out. I, I want to connect with you in a way in which we can both acknowledge that we are human beings with our own narratives, in our own needs, in our own opinions and emotions and we are complete we are not half of anything when i connect with you i am connecting with a whole being when people say ah you're stupid or you are half wit or you're blameless what they are telling you is you are incomplete you are not enough and that's not cool because a lot of people think especially the people who say these things a lot of people think of themselves as not enough and the truth is is that we are not only enough, we are surpassingly more, surpassingly more than this flesh and these eyes and these hearing ability. These skills don't define us. This skin don't, doesn't define us. Our names and nationalities don't define us. We are far more than that. And if we connect with everyone, we can learn about this more. Well, like I can go to the slums and I can talk to people and I can really listen. And that's a privilege. That's beautiful. I can go to a place where a lot of people with money gather and I can connect with them and I can listen to them. That's and cool. often, yeah. It's gotten so much easier for me over the past couple of years because uh, a lot of it's just about facing myself too and just kind of being okay with myself. After I'm okay with myself, I don't feel the same kind of pressure that I put on other people. I don't, I don't judge people the same way. And, um, I can judge their behaviors without kind of demonizing them. It's like no matter when I when I look at someone, I never see someone evil. I always look at what made them the way they are now. And I, I don't get caught up in these kind of, I mean, just judgments because once you make a judgment, I mean, I think there are judgments that are that are more just kind of saying this is something I want and this is something I don't want. Yeah, and, and not the unnecessary. Yeah, Th those, that's why we're here, I think. Mm -hmm. right? But to say that, like, this is bad, this is bad, stay away from this wrong, bad, 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 bad. I think that's that's where new problems arise. Yeah, yeah because, uh, please continue. Uh, no, like, as soon as I started to face that in myself, I noticed just, like, a huge leveling up of my ability to communicate with other people. But even before, to some degree, like what you're describing, I've always found it relatively easy to look at these terrible people, so-called ter terrible people. And kind of not necessarily accept them and condone what they do, but like to look at it straight on. And I think a lot of it has to do with that desire to go in deep within myself. Yes. Uh, yes. And to know 
your own country, which is you. Uh, you have your own country, you have your own individual nationality, you are your own citizen, citizenship, and you don't need passports within yourself. You don't require immigration in, within yourself. You can explore yourself. And when you explore yourself, you literally explore the global world. You literally explore physical reality, the cosmos. Well, I, I mean, what you were talking about before, like uh, entities and like, um, I don't have any experiences like that. But um, when I walk around the city, like I, I, I do this in a very kind of uh, direct, like sensual kind of five senses, just an average, everybody has them five senses way. Mm-hmm. Where I'll walk around the city and I'll just look at like uh, what's this showing me? Like uh, what's the mirror saying today? And uh, I did that a lot more when I was traveling. I, I should make a conscious effort to do it here, uh, even though I'm not traveling so much now. But when I see people acting in certain ways, I just look for that in myself, and I I, I always find something. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Get me. As we're talking, there's a lot of these different. The whole time, there's so many things I want to reply to when you're saying, but you. Keep, you have like more interesting stuff to say. It's like, I don't want to stop you because <laughs> I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm very honored for that. Yeah. Very honored. <laughs> but, um, and there's so many things. I'm going to watch this again. And there's going to be a lot of things I can unpack with you. We can talk about next time. Probably, probably because uh, that's, that's the other thing. We, we watch shows, right? And we read books and we uh, research all of this stuff and, uh, and we go to places and do these activities. And we often don't review them. We often don't go back and re-listen or re-watch or re-read. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that the first time was just an opening. It was just an introduction. The second time, you get deeper. The third time, you start connecting with the gens of the story. Maybe it takes longer, maybe it takes a shorter time but you start connecting with the deeper aspects of the narratives that you experience. And this is true for narratives or for fictions that you see in the TV or on cinema or reading the book. But, they, but it is also true with our thoughts and our experiences and our memories and our feelings. If you review them, if you give yourself just an hour a day to review what you've lived throughout the day, just like that, you review your what you lived throughout the day and you review, for instance, what dream did I have? What memories did I have of the dream? If you reveal that, you are going, absolutely going to learn something critical about yourself. Because every day brings change. And the person that read this book or the person that had this experience before is no longer that person. It has changed. That person has changed, he or she. And uh, sometimes this change is huge. But sometimes there are more nuanced changes and uh, you have to keep aware of that. You have to, to pay attention to that. And this is also part of this. You, when you approach the world with compassion, with love, with joy, with a desire to enjoy everyone and to listen to everyone, to, if possible, stay silent. When you, when you uh, live that way, you can experience a reality in a more a profound way because I don't know if you if you're hearing the dog and someone is honing, someone is ringing the bell but I have I am here <laughs> um, if you experience that you can sense more and you can see more and it doesn't take long for you to really tune up and pay attention to details it it grows you become more adept at paying attention 
And uh, there are some points in which you actually develop more attention, huge attention. And uh, this level of attention, this uh, energy of attention, is always present in your daily life. When you continue experiencing this evolution of attention, there is a point in which you didn't, don't even have to make an effort to realize stuff. You just go to places and you intuitively identify stuff and uh, identify people. And uh, when you look at the people, just 10 minutes talking to them and you realize you have an idea of who these people are, what they can bring to your life or not. And it's very good. Yeah, just like that. That is not even judgments. It's just like, it's like, uh, it's just information. Something that I noticed, and I noticed it myself too, like I, I feel trauma on people's faces sometimes, not something that happened today or yesterday. Like I can see certain things that happened to them in the past, you know, like heartbreak or, or, um, you know, reabused or something. Sometimes you can see it on people's expression when they're laughing and smiling. Yeah. You often see it. And there's a, a concept that I talked about in one of our chefs called Sampaku. I, I don't know if you remember that. Sampaku is a, a Japanese concept that has to do with the eyes. It's the white of the eyes. Sampaku is this quality of the eyes uh, where the white of the eyes shows too much be, uh, below the iris. And the Japanese say that this kind of look, this kind of, of eyes is common in people who has committed transgressions against, against the universe or against the natural order of things. One of the main examples of this is uh, uh, Uncle Sam, the image of Uncle Sam. Uh, this image that of this of the of the guy pointing at you, I will want you. This is a classic example of sampaku. And uh, another example uh, of a famous per person with sampaku is uh, Billie Eilish. It's one of the most obvious cases of sampaku, and you can see it. What you do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can see it in uh, mostly in villains. Okay, in stories you see this look like you see that they are dead inside I mean, like that that's it i think it's it's kind of an attitude too because i remember when yeah. i was younger and i thought like that was the way to get girls was you kind of had that badass look to you and i i badass. i noticed myself developing something like that and i just I, it didn't feel right or it just I, I don't know exactly what happened it's a long time ago yeah i could feel that kind of developing in myself and and when you when i look at the eyes I'm like, oh, i kind of know that a little bit i think i remember being like that for a little while <laughs> and it probably took on some other characteristic that wasn't just about, you know, um, attracting people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a very dark expression of the self, of the inner self. And I've also noticed uh, another expression, which is not the same as some. There are people who have like two glares in the eyes. They look at you and they have two glares instead of one. I don't know how to describe that, but it's like they... Like there were two focuses of light touching the iris in different places. And it's confusing. When I look at those eyes, I immediately, I think that's a red flag because everyone I've seen with this kind of look, with this kind of eyes, eh, they have serious traumas in their past, all of them. And they are very fearsome and fearful people. Like they can snap at you at any time. They are very violent sometimes, eh, especially with words. And recently I met a girl from my past who had this look and I didn't want to treat her differently because I realized that uh, I just wanted to treat her like her. But I immediately realized with a few meetings, I realized that this woman uh, had some serious issues 
and uh, that I didn't want to have this density around me. And uh, I just left her be. <laughs> I just let her be, and uh, they are not communicating at the moment. But there are also moments in which I've seen this samku, this uh, this expression in other people, in normal people that I've met. And uh, there was a moment in particular where I met a guy uh, who who deals with ceremonies. He he does yaje ceremonies, ayahuasca ceremonies, and as well. And uh, he's also a shaman. He's also a, a spiritual worker. Uh, I'm going to, to see him tomorrow, actually. And um, he asked me for a reading after a ceremony, which I attended. And uh, I, I gave him that reading. And when I looked into his eyes, as I was doing that reading, I realized he had something. And uh, I, it got me thinking, because he doesn't show himself. And the reading was about showing himself. And uh, he doesn't show himself at all. He actually, he directs something called Talking Circles. It's a, a meeting every Thursday where people gather to talk about their things. And he never shares anything. And it, it's made me realize that there's something shady about him. And uh, that doesn't mean that I will stop treating him. That doesn't mean that I'm going to, to pull him away from my life forever or that I am one offer my service, my own service to him anymore. Because I don't think it's like that. I don't think the energy works that way. But these red flags cannot be ignored. And I just I just pinpointed that, okay, I saw this, I saw this, and I saw this. These together forms a big red flag, okay? Uh, that means that I have to limit my exchange of energy with this person because I don't know where I'm getting, okay? And uh, there are also people who, they just walk to a room and they light up. Everyone around them lights up. And it's beautiful because it's happened to me. It's happened when I walk into a room, I've seen people light up. And it's a, a gift to be able to do this. It's a gift. Uh, I, I wanted to be a, a herald of joy and a herald of the smiles and laughter because uh, my, my father had a very beautiful laughter, a very beautiful smile. And when he died, I promised him publicly, I made a post on Facebook, promising to be a, a worthy herald of his smile. And I, I think I got that. And I think I was proud of that. And now, with all the conversations that we've had about having fun again, um, I'm re-embracing that. I, I was, I've been too serious for too long. And it has a value, but I don't want to be repellent. And I don't want to be a become apathic about the, the relationships that I have. I want to treat them right. I want to care for them. So this possibility to see the beauty in people and to see the beauty in places, even when you have these red flags and even when you have these, these uh, ideas like, I don't like this guy, these behaviors so much. You can usually accommodate that if you relieve yourself from the prejudice. If you relieve yourself from the partial or the biased view, uh, you can connect with anyone and any, literally. And uh, I have no doubt that this training that I've lived here has me better prepared for when I go out of the country and start visiting other cultures because I will be able to apply the same exact principles even if I, if I don't speak the language. I, I can apply the same exact principles of saluting with respect, of being kind, of listening with attention, uh, even if I don't understand a thing of what they are telling me. Because they, they talk, they will talk with their eyes and they will talk with their hands and they will talk with more than, the, than just their voices. So if I am willing to listen, 
if I am relieved of all prejudice and I am willing to listen carefully, I will be able to connect with anyone. And that's it. Form friendships anywhere and even get sweet deals <laughs> in other places just for being kind. I think that's that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hope you come soon, man. I think we got to wrap this up, though, because uh late. <laughs> it's late there, yeah. <laughs> but we had a good run. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again real soon. Yeah, yes, sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really beautiful, this initiative. If you like what we do here, find us on social media and let us know. Uncut episodes will be up early on Patreon, and any support you make will make it easier to keep doing this. I also have a novella series called Confessions of the Damaged. It follows a man wandering the streets as he sees visions and tries to understand the meaning of his life. You can find links for everything in the description. Whoa.